0: hello and welcome to ditching hourly i'm jonathan stark today i'm joined by special guest eric dietrich eric welcome to the show or back to the show i should say
1: well thank you for having
0: me it's good to be on cool so for for folks who haven't heard your name before can you give us a quick uh who you are and what you do rundown
1: sure happy to do it um my background and and very long career uh was in the world of application development so i was a software engineer and then kind of climbed through that org chart, eventually went off on my own and became an IT management and strategy consultant, would do some training, so a solopreneur. And then I made a really weird sort of opportunistic right turn into the world of marketing. And so now I have a business, hit subscribe. it was originally kind of designed as a side hustle for me and my wife to like make a bit of extra money blogging, but it um, kind of exceeding both of our expectations really took off. And hit subscribe is a business that basically helps developer tool companies with blog content is kind of the easiest way to put it, but really it's about um, marketing and helping companies who are marketing to generally software engineers reach that audience of software engineers. So it maybe isn't quite as much of a right turn as I left on, but like it, or led on, but it is a definitely not what I expected to be doing is running a marketing business. So <laughs> I don't know, 10, 15 years in the app dev world, climbing that org chart, and now I run a marketing business.
0: For yeah, so to help tool companies reach devs. Mm-hmm. So that's that's cool. So the 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 premise of this original uh, conversation or the genesis of it was that I was uh, mouthing off somewhere, probably Twitter. Uh, but maybe my list. anyway, uh, I was mouthing off about SEO, and I said something along the lines of, um, SEO is useless for someone like me because if if they're not searching for my name, I'm not doing it right. you know, so like and it's really easy to rank for your name in general. Um, so, you know, and I don't really want to come up in a search where someone is searching for something generic. So if somebody searches for something generic, like um, I don't know, business coach, I'm gonna maybe show up there as one of of thousands, if not millions. Uh, and I don't really want those leads. I would rather have leads who heard about me from someone else, almost like a a referral. And you know they're sharing links on social media or via email or text or whatever like that. And if they uh, if they like the article, then they're either on my site or they they heard a podcast that I was on and they're gonna Google for my name, which I'm like, you know, the first 10 pages for. So, so I, so I said some, some stuff like that, which I, which I will, I'm the first one to admit is probably based on outdated ideas about what SEO is and how it works and what it's for. Uh, you know, the last time I looked at it, it was, it was like keyword stuffing days. So, uh, so anyway, so then you sent me a really thoughtful email about like, well, think about the user journey, like X, Y, and Z. And I was like, "Mm, good point. So, um, So let's, let's just sort of, where's the best place to start? Like maybe what, what does SEO mean in 2020? Maybe that's a good place to go.
1: Sure. Although I want to throw in kind of a rider there that actually everything you said about showing up for like business coach, I actually agree with um, in terms of that being a commodity search. So we can circle back to that a little bit that like, you didn't actually say anything that I would object to. I wouldn't really want to, you know, position myself either as this kind of like, I'm the first thing that comes up when you Google this generic thing. And I'm, and my strategy for you buying is the fact that I was the first thing you saw in the phone book, uh, totally with you there. So, um, we can come back to that in a bit. So, SEO, um, and I think like I've had this idea for a video or a blog post in my mind that, that to say like SEO is a terrible name for what SEO is these days. Um, so, originally, SEO search engine optimization came from this idea that if you were to write a piece of content, like back in the earliest days of um, searching through Google, you would write a piece of content, a landing page or blog post, whatever it may be. And then you would go and you would do this series of like kind of hokum and sorcery to it because you had this secondary audience that was the search engine. So you've written the piece of content. That's great for the humans. Now you have to go do search engine optimization. Like what do we do to this to make the search engine like it? And as you alluded to in the earliest days, that was like saying the thing you wanted to rank for a bunch of times or doing things in the meta and I call this SEO sorcery. I forget where I got that term from. I didn't dream it up, but it's perfect. It's this series of like incantations you do to get the search engine to like your content. And that's the history of where things used to be and why people are so understandably skeptical. Because I think we can all relate to the results of that where you you wind up on some landing page and you see that it says, um, you know, uh,
0: top 10 tools for blah, 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 updated 2020. And it's like, okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you can reverse engineer and work backwards from here. And it's like, Oh, I see. And it's mentioning this, this thing again and again, like, you know, best digital tools. And there's an H two that says best digital tools. And then a third of the way through the post, you're like, why is it saying this phrase so many times? And if you're a little bit savvy with this stuff, you're like, Oh, I see they're, they're trying to rank for this term. And so that's where we're coming from. And what's happened over the years, it's almost like, um, you know, like the dance with like exploits and hacking, which is um, so... The search engine is like, okay, here's a good algorithm for, to know what to rank for this particular term. And my algorithm is, does it say the term a lot or something like that? And so people figured it out and then they ran this game on the search engine to get to the top. So the search engine figures that out, makes itself a little more sophisticated. And now there's a different game to be run and on and on it's gone over the last 20 years. Well, what's happened in recent times is the search engines have gotten so sophisticated that it's pretty hard to really run game. And so now it's almost like the secret SEO hack is to write content that actually solves the problem the searcher has. And so to unpack that a little bit, anytime you go and you type something into Google or anyone types something into Google, they I call it Tarzanning the search engine. But if you're typing in like best SEO tools, what you're really asking is kind of like the long-form question, what are some of the best SEO tools? And what you're really doing is you're in evaluation mode. You're trying to figure out like, I might, I might buy one of these five tools, which one should it be? What are the pros and cons? And so, what the search engines have done in recent years has gotten really good at figuring out like what, based on this thing that you're typing into me, what problem are you trying to solve? And now I can use all this creepy otherworldly Google knowledge data that I have to figure out who is answering this question well. So I can measure the time you're spending on the page. I can measure whether you hit the back button or not, especially if people are using Chrome. I can measure um, how far down you uh, scroll. Do you interact and click a like button? And based on all of those signals, I can form a fairly clear picture of what pages searchers actually like. And so no longer are they evaluating things like how many times does it say the keyword, yeah, so, that does
0: seem like a really blunt instrument compared to what you're describing now, which makes total sense. I, I would expect a company like that to be doing that. And, you know, hence, in, in those sorts of things, that I would, they only know that because Google Analytics would be installed on that page, right? Like, yeah, they're not, I've never heard of anyone saying that Chrome itself is spying on anybody. But if the website owner installed Google Analytics, then Google definitely has that information.
1: So I don't know about that. Honestly, I kind of personally stay out of the world of um, really trying to get like following, I think his name is Matt Cutzer. or there's a guy from Google that... Like, yeah, he's the
0: old spam calling. guy, the anti-spam guy.
1: <laughs> and so like, they'll keep up with everything he does. And, and, you know, I can get into this too. I don't. And we have great results for it with our clients. I, I don't think any of that is necessary. So I don't know to what extent Chrome is actually using that data. I've heard varying things about it, but I I don't honestly know the answer to that. I do know that the search engines and Google in general have access to some pretty sophisticated stuff, certainly through analytics. Um, I don't know exactly how they do it all, but um, they are optimizing for what I guess you'd call searcher experience rather than So like they'll take things into account, I believe. If you wrote a blog post that was like best SEO tools or it was supposed to target that keyword and you never used the words SEO or tools on your page, you probably wouldn't rank. But it's not because they're on the page counting what you say, it's because how could you possibly address that search intent Mm -hmm. without talking about SEO or tools? Yeah,
0: yeah. So so there needs to be some kind of like a basic language there but like keyword stuffing isn't really. That's just not the jam anymore what about what about things like are backlinks still a thing i would imagine that that'd still be a pretty interesting signal
1: it is um so there's a lot of again spammy behavior around going out and let's you know just blast out and try to get people to give us backlinks To the best of my knowledge and understanding, backlinks are still one of the most significant ways that you increase what's called domain authority, which is, I think, a proprietary Moz metric of basically how much does the search engine trust you? But this type of metric based on like backlinks, um, it's like a trailing indicator. So they're looking, you know, how many backlinks do you have? And what they're really measuring there is like, based on this, what's my approximation of how much the search engine trusts you, which means how likely are you to rank for a given search term? And backlinks are one of the best indicators of that because um, it's basically a form of social proof. So if a lot of places are linking to your content, that's the internet kind of coming together and saying like, yeah, this is pretty legitimate content. Um, If those backlinks come from .gov or .edu sites, even more so, because those are very authoritative pieces of content. So that's still a significant concern. But um, even with that, the games that people run where they're spamming just endless sites to try to get backlinks, where they're standing up garbage sites and just like putting backlinks on or doing comment spam, stuff like that is going to bite you. Um, So yeah, it still matters. But honestly, if I think of what I consider, like I say this all the time, and really my tongue is not planted in my cheek when I say this, uh, Eric's like patented all in everything you need to know. SEO strategy is just this figure out what questions your buyers are asking of the search engine and then answer those questions on a site that doesn't suck to visit. Yeah. (laughs) Do those two things. It will work. Forget all the other stuff like you're good.
0: Yeah. And that's, (laughs) well, so that comes back to my, uh, so the closest I've gotten at to any kind of conscious or intentional uh, search discovery, I guess I would call it where, where, I want to, you know, like, yeah, what if, you know, what if I was ranking for stuff? um, You know, what, what would I do? And for for a variety of reasons, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this experiment on YouTube, not on, not on with my site and trying to like uh, do, I don't know, do funny business on my site. Cause I was noticing that, that videos are extremely popular on Google.com, so if you search for something, it's really common to get a, a ribbon of like video answers, way at the top, and some of them are like expanded. They're like huge. It's like a gigantic, like you couldn't even buy an ad this big. So I'd be like, huh, okay. And I had some really good. I had been invited on some YouTube live streams that were f- extremely successful uh, for me. So I was like, eh, I'm gonna goof around with YouTube. And so in 2019. I had a V, you know, I, I, I solicited questions from people exactly like you're saying, like I got a bunch of questions that people were asking and answered them. And then, you know, on, on video, and then I would have my VA, like create a little thumbnail and, and uh, she did a little bit of research about the best way to phrase the title um, and then would upload them. And it was, it was interesting and it did move the needle, it, it moved the needle in a non-trivial way. Uh, but it was a fair amount of work and the, the leads are what I would expect to get from search, which are, you know, sort of, um, young, you know, people that I could help, but they're, they're just starting out. They're like very, they're like fledgling puppy type, you know, which is great. I love helping everybody I can and not, I'm not like knocking those people, but they're not going to spend $10,000 for a coaching program. And I was like, okay, that's interesting, but it's a little bit too much work. Uh, And then this year, recently, I think last month, I started doing live streams, which are essentially have the same effect, but are way easier because they're not it's there's an expectation, I think, that they're not going to be perfect and produced because it's a live stream, uh, which means that it's really easy for me. And I just my approach is just like pick a popular question that people are asking me more than one person is asking me and then just answer it and then that sort of artifact is left behind and you know more people will find it in the future so so i mean so basically we're i'm kind of doing what you're what you're recommending
1: it's um you know i'd i'd have to probably like understand more about the specifics but there's um there's a few things that i could address one is there's a bit of a gap maybe between um the way people search YouTube and the way people search Google for other things. The searches you're talking about where the video carousels or the video answers appear, usually in my experience, and I should probably actually clarify quickly. So we're doing a lot of content for a lot of dev tools companies um, and helping them mainly with blog posts and organic search uh, to written content and seeing good results. Like we're bringing them up to, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of visitors a month. And so I'm establishing some bona fides there real quick. So that when I say like, Oh, well, when I'm doing this research and I notice this in search result pages, I'm not just some dude that has noticed a few of these, like this is my life over the last few years, but, um, some searches lend themselves well to video content. These are going to be like how-to searches yeah. or tutorial searches. Yeah, the
0: que- Yeah, all the questions I do are how-tos.
1: Um, you can tell that usually if you do a search through Google and you see videos showing up, those could be good to target with videos if you are answering that question better than the videos that you see. Others, it wouldn't probably carry through to YouTube. Um So YouTube itself, um, people don't tend to search YouTube as much um, the way they might Google. Like people will go to YouTube and search there, but often they're kind of getting carried through on the algorithm, they're binge watching videos. So I think of YouTube as a a follower based medium more. And I think of the search engine, like a text based search in Google itself as being fairly transactional and tactical. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can bridge that gap. And what I would expect is if you go out and you find the kind of questions that your audience is asking and you're answering them via video, that you'll probably get people, if they see a video in that search results page on Google, and it's a question that's best answered with a video, they'll click through and then the best outcome there is they like what you have to say and they hit the subscribe button. And so there's a long play, that's a junior type searcher who you're hoping reaches back out in a few years when they're ready for-
0: Exactly, very long game, yes.
1: And I will say that the uh, the game that our uh, clients who are typically Silicon Valley funded startups, they are playing long games. So we're hoping to bring them traffic and most organic searches are kind of beginnerish searches. Like what does Kubernetes mean? Or how do I get started in C sharp or, you know, things along Mm -hmm. those lines. Mm -hmm. And so you bring in those searchers, you educate them and hope that they become your customers tomorrow. A lot of times.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it seems like, this is good news basically <laughs> i mean i i feel like I, I wish i had it was a little i couldn't write fast enough but your your eric's patented seo air quotes plan of like write helpful content for questions that people are asking is i mean it's in lockstep with uh, my whole attitude you know like you were you were talking before about you know, people writing, writing the page twice, basically writing the page for the the people they're trying to answer and then writing it for the algorithm. And, and my, my knee jerk reaction to anything SEO related was like, I'm not going to spend a minute of my life writing for an algorithm. I'm not doing it. (laughs) So yeah, what, let let me ask you this, Um, not to put you on the spot too much, but are, are your clients, so the kinds of clients that you use, like, are they also using an ad strategy or are they doing, are they making a a explicit decision to just go organic, play long game and not burn all that cash, trying to fight with, you know, whoever, whoever their closest competitor is.
1: Um, It varies. Usually it would be rare for, um, you know, an A or B round startup who's investing in content marketing, not to also be investing in paid search, um, and often remarketing. So it does happen where somebody says, we just want to have a blog and then I'll steer them towards. So a client that comes to us and says, there's a variety of reasons that people engage with like a variety of ideas. And one of them is, Hey, um, we know that you help tech companies with blogs and we know we're supposed to have a blog. So can you help us write blog posts? And then usually what I'll say is like, well, sure, but I don't want to help you write blog posts unless we can trace this back to some kind of concept of ROI. And then we start to dig in and it's like, well, what are you really trying to do? And then I'll start to recommend that they go for organic search just because if you just start out and say, I'm going to write a blog to share my point of view with the world, I think of that in a sense as, I won't call it hobby blogging exactly, but If you don't have a plan, I mean, and no shade to anyone, because this was me with my site Dead Tech for years and years, I was just writing and eventually people started following and it paid off on a very long timeline, but it wasn't direct. And so for these companies, I want to help them have a plan. Usually I'd say, okay, the plan here is for the long haul to build up this funnel of traffic and that's organic. And so occasionally that's the only thing they're doing, but usually it's um, several things working in concert, and if they do have a paid ad strategy, one of the things we might do is say like, okay, right now you're paying to be in front of somebody who's searching for, you know, um, a best IDE plugin or something. So you pay to get in front of those people so that they see you first. So we could use organic and say like, well, Hey, you know, half of your customers are going to have ad block anyway. So <laughs> why don't we wind down your spend on that over time by ranking for it? Right. Um, and, and lots really, of those,
0: lots of those devs are going to scroll past all that junk anyway and look for yeah. the first organic. Yeah.
1: And on that topic too, where we're talking about sort of the idea of maybe a commodity search where it's like, well, I want to, I want to muscle my competitors out of the way so that I'm the first one that you see. Um, those type of searches are really what people are. There's like chum in the water and clients are, are are hungry to go after those. Those searches are number one, usually really competitive, both with ads and with people targeting them and spending money with giant blog posts. And number two, the reason that those are competitive is those are what's called evaluation or purchase intent searches. So if you're seeing searches um, like you know SEO app or something, that's somebody who's saying, I know what I want and I'm probably willing to spend. Like I have a very targeted idea of what I'm looking to do. If they start tagging words like best or cheapest or fastest or something on, then they're sending another buying signal, which is like, I want to know who's the cheapest or who's kind of the luxury option. And so those get to be really competitive searches because marketers love those because they know exactly what you're trying to do. And they can kind of get in front of you and say like, oh, here, I'm first. What I typically recommend and what we work with clients on are educational searches. um, And that's what's happening in the awareness stage of the funnel. So what is Kubernetes? um, That's not a buy intent search. That's a research intent search. So that searcher is looking to educate themselves. And I'm a strong proponent of figuring out what your eventual buyers are looking to do in terms of educating themselves and then building trust by helping them then. So forget the chum in the water, red ocean game of trying to get in front of people for the first time only when they're looking to buy something that's the commodity game that we were talking about in the beginning that I wouldn't suggest getting it on. I mean, sure. It's great to have that real estate, but like educate them first. And then they're not doing the best static analyzer search at all. Because if you as a static analyzer have been educating them all along, once they're ready, they're going to buy from you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, as we're, as we're talking about it, it's really like, um, I think the big differentiator for me is like the long game, short game thing. So, so, so sell me on the idea of, of uh, like, what's the, what is the, not the financial investment necessarily with you guys, but like, let's say someone is going to do this on their own. So, you know, some Kubernetes tooling startup is like, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we want to, we want to start educating uh, likely buyers, you know, devs in a particular of a particular kind and, you know, are, is there any kind of pattern to the type of blog posts? Like, are they, are they like these massive wait, but why 10,000 word posts or, you know, like the be all end all, um, answer to the question or is it, are, are they listicles or is it like, what are the, is there any kind of pattern or does it just always depend on the situation?
1: To some extent it'll depend on the situation, but I can easily <clears throat> give away kind of our secret sauce because I don't mind doing that. Um, I think of there as being three phases to doing well with organic search. And for anybody who's just getting started, I would basically give this same advice. What's going to vary is maybe how competitive the, the search term landscape is, or depending on certain factors of your spend, like how long you might spend in each of these phases. But the phases themselves that I recommend over and over again are very simple to understand. The first phase is your, well, let me back up. When it comes to organic search anywhere, like ranking for terms, getting in front of people who are using the search engine to educate themselves, there are three main variables, if you will. So there there becomes this kind of iron triangle. There is the volume. So how many people are interested in this search? And that can be, um, hey, it turns out that even though you think people are interested, nobody ever Googles this, all the way on up to prodigious volume. Then there is competitiveness, like how difficult will it be to rank? Think of that as uh, how well is this already being addressed? Like, are there competitors in the search that are already answering this question quite well? And then the third one is, um, I'll call it like intent or relevant. Like um, it's all great if like, you know, Uh, Best ice cream flavor is a very easy search with a lot of volume, but that's not probably going to have a high signal to noise ratio for the Kubernetes startup. Um, In phase one, we always want to be sort of, you know, in the general area of relevance. So setting that aside that you're not going to do things that are completely irrelevant to engineers phase one, you're optimizing for low competitiveness. So you want to go out and you want to find search terms that have, You know, I mean, if they have some volume, great, but like, you don't really care if they have much volume, you want at least a little bit, but you want to find things that absolutely nobody is answering. You want to go out and find frustrated searchers that are Googling something like what's the best programming language um, to go along with Kubernetes. So a super long tail search that maybe only like five people a month actually search for. But when you type that into google nothing in the results is anywhere close to answering that question so that searcher is super frustrated like uh, you know i just cannot find an answer to my question if you then mirror back to them that exact title like their question as a blog post title what happens is as soon as the search engine kind of gets wind of that it'll quickly escalate it up through the ranks because it's like hey this is the best i've got So it's like your football team on the field is completely depleted. Like in the, I don't know, modern metaphor of COVID, like they're all on the COVID reserve. And it's like the Denver Broncos last weekend. Like we don't even have a quarterback. So they're just grabbing some dude from the stands. That dude is the (laughs) post that you've written.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And Mm. so
1: you do this a bunch of times, 25, 50 times, where you're just optimizing for nobody's answering this question. And what that does is forget all the link building and all the crap and all the spam. That trains the search engine like, hey, this site is new. It doesn't have much authority. I don't know anything about it. But man, every time I give them a shot, they absolutely nail searcher intent and searchers love it. So the first six months or so, if we're doing a decent size engagement, we are not worried about traffic or conversions or anything like that. We are training the search engine to like your site. Phase two is then optimizing for volume. So you're again, not optimizing for conversions, I'll talk about that in a second, but you're saying, okay, we've trained the search engine, we've proven now that instead of never ranking, that when we write new articles, we're hitting the front page of the results within a month. Now let's go for some higher volume terms and we wanna start to bring in meaningful traffic, reinforce the search engine trust and actually get people on the site, We're probably putting a pixel on them for, you know, Facebook or LinkedIn so we can remarket later. But all we're doing in phase two is building volume. We want to get to, you know, 10K plus a month organic visitors. And we might do that up to, you know, 12, 15 months in. Now, at the end of 12 to 15 months in, when you're getting five digits a month in traffic, maybe six digits a month, that's when we start to think about conversion, which is that intent. Now, the search engine will tolerate you doing things that would have angered searchers before, like putting in pop-ups or you know whatever you're gonna do. Um, so that is generally the play. And we can tell um, people who are considering spending money with us, this is gonna equate out to a five or low six figure spend to go through all these phases. And you're gonna have this amount of people on your site. And so then we're really comparing it to like, well, what would you be spending in PPC? Or what would you be spending for banner ads in these different places? So with that spend and with these predictions we can give them, we can really compare it to their ad budget. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting.
1: And so in the broadest of strokes, that's kind of, you know, our secret sauce. Um, and I never really feel bad giving away like free value. If you can go and execute all that stuff by yourself, anyone listening, yeah. by all means, go, do go it. for you it. it right? You don't need to pay me to do it.
0: Right, so, so what, like, are you using some kind of tool? So I'm, I'm looping back to the stage one to find the frustrated searchers. Mm-hmm. Are you just like making guesses at what people might search for and then like just searching them and being like, huh, there's nothing here?
1: Um, no, I wouldn't make guesses. So this is something where when we first talked to uh, prospects or clients that you might fall down a little is to say like, well, I know what people are typing into the search engine. And I thought that two or three years ago when I started doing keyword research and a lot of understanding of searcher behavior, you're often going to be wrong about what people search. Even if it comes to you as a question, like if somebody asks you a question that you say, go answer in a video, you know that people are asking that question. Where you might get a little twisted around the axle is the way they ask you that question in an email might not be how, or if they would ask the search engine. So what, what I do is, um, you know, the two easiest ways to go about it if you're new to this, for anyone listening. Number one, start typing stuff in Google and wait to see what the autocomplete does. That is Google in no uncertain terms telling you, hey, this is a thing that people type in. Um, <laughs> assuming yeah. you don't get too um, uh, long tail, eventually they start to do like a um, you know, auto text completion kind of algorithm. But if you type in the first character to and it pops up a word, the search engine is saying to you, Hey, people search this. For response posts, one of the easiest places to mine is go type in a search for something, you know, a broad topic you'd be interested in, like Kubernetes, um, you know, best practices or something. And that'll probably give you a widget that says people also ask. You can assume that if you're seeing it and people also ask, um, that's a question that you could do a response post for. You'll get traffic. And then the third tactic is um, I use Ahrefs, but you could use Answer the Public or SEM Rush or whatever. Um, go to the part of uh, an SEO tool where you give it a broad keyword and then you specifically get questions. And those questions, like write blog posts that are literally titled those questions. So uh, you know, what is the best way to get started with Kubernetes if that's what comes up? Mm-hmm. Write a blog post with literally that title. Mm-hmm.
0: But that's telling you that there already is one, but you're just trying to get your hat in the ring.
1: Um, It tells you, the tool is giving you feedback that that is something people ask. To understand what the competition looks like, the tools will give you a score of what's called keyword difficulty. But you can eyeball that on your own intuitively if you don't want to spend money on a tool. The more you see big names in the search results for a you know, go type, if you want to address a keyword, go type it into Google and see what comes up. If you see a bunch of heavyweights in there, like DevOps.com or CIO.com, that's probably a hard one. Also, if you see a bunch of blog post titles that feature the keyword you're talking about right at the front of the title, you can also bet that people are addressing that pretty well. If on the other hand, you put a term into the search engine and the results you see, you don't see that term in any title. What the search engine is saying is like, hey, I got nothing. Like, I, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of scrounging here for anything to show you. That's right. a good sign.
0: Right. So what happens when, I, I don't know, if we don't need to get too far into the weeds, but this has happened to me uh, working with other people. And it's like, how do you tackle this? Where the, like, it seems like there's a phase where you would do a search and you would get back like a blog post from someone who offers the thing. So it's kind of like a, an obvious content marketing thing. Like DigitalOcean comes to mind. Like they have, they put a lot of work into having definitive articles on, you know, how to install, what, how to secure PHP on Ubuntu 16 or something. You know, like they did an amazing job with that. But so that's kind of like one phase. And obviously they want you to like sign up for the service. Then there, there are other times I'll search for stuff, and the only thing you get back are like pages after pages after pages of of, of best or top tens from sites that are like HubSpot or or BuzzFeed or, and and I'm like, no, I I'm, I like maybe I'm just bad at searching for it, but I'm you know something like. Um, trying to think, uh, I was working with somebody recently who's doing like FileMaker ShipStation integration. And so they did some videos and blog posts about FileMaker ShipStation integration. Uh, when you search for that though, the only things that come back are like articles from Zapier and IFTTT and and all of these other kind of like um, no code platforms. And it's, I mean, it feels like, is that just a different phase or is that like, like, so for, for example, in this particular situation, you know custom dev shop that does custom integrations between you know whatever salesforce and filemaker or shipstation and, and salesforce uh, and they're they're wanting to attract leads for people to do custom development but the the search results are just flooded with essentially a different kind of vendor who's targeting the same sort of uh, same sort of intent but with a different kind of solution i don't know if i'm making any sense but Uh, it's, it's interesting where I'm like, wait, I'm looking for, I was expecting to find a completely different class of company blogging about this kind of stuff. And it's like, and instead like the the results are flooded with something that isn't what I'm looking for.
1: So short of looking at an actual search results page, it might be hard for me to get into specifics, but the idea of search intent is I think going to cover what we're talking about here, which is there are sometimes search intent is very clear. Like if I were to type, um, again, going back to the thematic example here, if I were to type Kubernetes in, because what I wanted to see is a tutorial on Kubernetes. So I type in Kubernetes and then I get a bunch of articles that are like, what is Kubernetes? And I'm like, ah, oh, crap, like the Kubernetes tutorial. And then I type that in and maybe still that's not quite it. It's like, you know, I want a getting started guide for a specific language. So I start getting more and more specific, longer and longer tail. Um, what, what you're seeing through that searcher's journey is if you just type Kubernetes into the search engine, that's what we can call a mixed intent keyword. So people type that in for a variety of reasons. And then as you get more specific, the reason that they're doing that becomes clearer. So if you are Googling a term and what's showing up is something that isn't super interesting to you, yeah, it's not relevant feel to like what I it wanted. should be, Yeah. Like what's probably happening is, um, you're in the minority for that, for your search intent. Right. Most people who are typing in what you're typing in want to see something else.
0: Right. Yeah. That makes perfect Um, sense. Right.
1: And that actually leads to one of the biggest kind of like understandable anti-patterns that I see when, when we're working with clients, you know, a client will say like, um, Hey, you know, I make a unit testing tool and, um, What I want to do is I want to target the search term unit testing tools. And then I want an article about why you should buy my unit testing tool. What I have to do is go back and say, I can write that article for you, but it will never rank. And you know, they dig in and what do you mean? It won't rank. And I'm saying, well, because anybody who's Googling that in the plural, they want to see a roundup comparing the things Uh, you can't just include a keyword in the title of your post and expect it to rank. So an even better article would be like, if you want to do a you know, you wanna target the term unit testing with a sort of like hot take of like why unit testing is garbage, I, I find myself having to explain, look that. People who are typing unit testing into the search engine are probably saying, like, what is unit testing or like what's a guide to unit testing? Yeah, they're not interested in Joe Schmo's contrarian. Hot take.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have that exact problem because I probably the the, the number one person who sh- who I want to make aware of me is someone who's typing in what should my hourly rate be? Mm. And, and but my answer would be you shouldn't have an hourly rate. <laughs> so it's like I'm I'm that exact contrarian jerk because that is not the mindset that searcher is in right that they want an answer to the question they're asking they don't want their mind changed in
1: that moment that's such an important observation because i think of like anyone comes from the app dev world but like anybody can probably appreciate this on a qa forum like you go on to stack overflow and you're like you know how do i do such and such in c sharp and you know some (laughs) wise guy is like well you shouldn't use that language use java and you're like great thanks buddy
0: (laughs) how do i do this without jquery uh you should use jquery or how do i do it with jquery (laughs) you shouldn't use jquery it's like okay but i would need to know how to do it with jquery yeah it's super annoying
1: You don't want to do that bait and switch, but you can address that searcher. And like, this is a little bit, um, you know, maybe hammy, I guess. I can't think of the right word, like, but bear with me. So if there is a search, so uh, what should my hourly rate be? Or like probably the way somebody Tarzans the search engine with that is like determine hourly rate or whatever. So you find a search that has some volume and your message to that person is you don't actually want to do that. The best play there, at least if you aren't playing the longest of games, would be to write a post that's like, here is an algorithm for calculating hourly rate. This is what people commonly do. And then at the very end of the post, you might say, like, listen, you should know that if you're going to set an hourly rate, there is going to be an eventual cap on how much you can earn. Because, you know, having a rate commodifies you in this fashion. Are you interested in learning more? If so, call to action. Right now, what you're doing there is you're still answering the search intent so you can still rank Mm -hmm. and you're not looking to convert that person on that visit. You just want to plant that seed and get them to come back and visit later is all you can hope for.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's like the longest possible game. And and the and and I don't even first of all, I couldn't bring myself to write a post like that. I totally agree with what you're saying um i I couldn't even i would not even um i couldn't have that page on my site like i Mm it's just too i'm too against it and uh, and the other thing is there's no way i would rank for that because it is like uh, what were the what was the iron triangle the competitiveness is like off the charts
1: yeah every
0: time tracking tool there'd be like you know (laughs) eight paid ads at the top three at the bottom and like you know uh whatever, whatever the top time track, you know, like whatever the top time trackers are in the middle, squeezed in the middle.
1: Yeah. So I I definitely wouldn't recommend if I'm just like, we're doing a consulting audit of what you're trying to do. That's such a long game. Like it, um, if you were so inclined and you wanted to rank it, so there's this idea of topical authority and you could get topical authority around the topic of hourly billing, Basically, the idea is you surround that parent term by going after less competitive, longer tail terms, do that long enough, earn enough links, and you could start to compete for that term. And then when you were competing for it, you would help that searcher accomplish their tactical goal with this idea that they would play this really long game. Like that, you know, could have value for you on a long enough timeline, but it's pretty indirect. I think if I were going to advise you on what to do that's a shorter but still long game, is find people that are expressing a pain through the search engine related to hourly billing, but that are on the tail end of it. It's like, you know, I don't know if they were um, typing in something like.
0: Should, should I quit freelancing stuff like those? Yeah, kinds of exactly.
1: Yeah. Maxed out hourly rate or can't raise hourly rate anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it would be a question of you identify those sorts of pains where you had a more immediate helpful message. And then it's just like are people actually searching for this? And could I rank? And if the answer is yes, well, hey, uh, that's somebody who there's much shorter line between what they want to know and what you could teach them.
0: Yeah, and it, and it's be more fun for me to write too, honestly, because mm-hmm. it's that it's that moment when they're just that struggling moment, as Bob Mesta would say, like they're in that struggling moment, and it's um it's a very different moment from what should my hourly rate be? That's the very beginnings of their of their journey, and I would that that other pain. You know, should I quit freelancing? That's why, <laughs> that's at the other end of the spectrum. Uh, should I just go back in house, or should I take this job, or whatever? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty fascinating. So the one thing that I hadn't that uh, had never occurred to me, it makes sense now that you say it. But the idea of the three phases that you would go through with a customer, you know, a client of yours to kind of like make Google like your site in the first place and then sort of edge your way into higher volume terms and then start with the exit intents and all the other things that, that Google probably doesn't like, but Hey, you know, you got to put Cheerios in the bowl. Cool. Um, is there anything else? Is there anything that I've like foolishly didn't think to bring up? Cause so far I've, I feel like I've learned a lot.
1: Um, I'm trying to think there was something about, um, You know, the idea of like commodity, I think I was listening to an episode of ditching hourly and I can't remember exactly what was going on, but one thing that kind of interested me was the idea of like, would you want to avoid SEO if you had a luxury brand or something? Um, is that a topic? Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. I, I was, I was, uh, the guest's name. Well, he was the baseball player. Oh shoot. Um, darn it, I'll think of it in a second. But uh, he was... Yeah, so I'll tell the story again, so then you can kind of riff off of it. Whether you agree or disagree, that's fine. Um, but he was talking... He was talking about doing marketing for... Well, at first, he was talking about doing marketing for luxury rental brands. So like maybe like, um, you know, fractional jets and like renting a Rolls Royce or a Lambo or something like that. And Dustin Hood, that's his name. And he but he also but then I then I started to understand more clearly that he was and I was like ah, I don't know is like is the buyer of of NetJets is a, is a NetJets buyer really googling for it or didn't they hear about it from their other rich friends you know like is that is that really because it's the same it's my same kind of bias against generic search results which is that in general it's a mass market move I just feel like it's a mass market move where people are people are are typing in your your first kind your first kind of search that you described where they're just putting in like you know I don't know running shoes like I don't want to fight I don't want to fight that fight I don't want to be the best running shoes I want to be the only running shoes you know I want to be those those like ones that have individual toes like super weird you know and uh and so he was and so I feel like a luxury brand is going in general in broad strokes a luxury brand is going to want to be more exclusive be less mainstream and 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 probably probably isn't gonna other marketing channels besides seo would probably be a a better bang for the buck let's put it like that um you know like you wouldn't advertise net jets on a billboard like what would be the point of that
1: (laughs) it's just a dumb
0: medium for for that kind of a message so so that and then but then he he i don't know if this is going to relate to your answer. But then we we went a little farther. into. he's like, no, I want to make luxury brands accessible to a little bit more middle class people. So like, you know, once a year, they can really treat themselves to a package of like, you know, uh, a ride in a limo to a Chappelle show, then go to a, you know, a a five star hotel, and then have like a spa treatment and, and the whole thing's only a 1000 bucks. And you're not doing that every day. You're not probably even doing it every year. But for a thousand bucks, you know, you get treated like a uh, royalty for three days. And and so then maybe I was like, okay, maybe that there's something there that I could imagine somebody planning a vacation or something. But anyway, so that was the that was the conversation we had. I'm not sure which part of it you were reacting to, though.
1: I don't think I had a specific reaction it was more that the concept of how SEO would relate to an exclusive luxury brand sort of fascinated me. And I appreciate the reminder because that rings a bell. As an aside, the idea of bringing luxury to the upper middle class or something seems like a tough road as a business just because you would, uh, you know, the, the, that set is forever chasing the wealthy. So you'd have to like constantly reinvent the brand. I was it think.
0: was only luxury rental brands though. So to me, and that I, cause I agree with you, but I felt like that might've been uh, like someone who wants to, to a company who wants to make a business out of, of that sort of, um, you know, like, like you're not buying a land, there's a very different market who's buying a Lambo and who's renting a Lambo. So I felt like, eh, okay, maybe, maybe I could see that. And he had some personal experience with that, getting like wined and dined as a, as a professional baseball player, but he wasn't, you know, it wasn't his car, you know, he wasn't buying a Lambo. But he got to ride around in them, and anyway, so that's I suppose that's neither here nor there. But the the idea, I mean, thinking about it, like I don't know if I would have noticed. So maybe this is just confirmation bias, but I don't see a lot of like you know, again, it's probably just what I search for because I, I use Google a lot, right? Everybody, I suppose everybody does, and I I don't you don't see like Maybach popping up, you know? They're not they're not paying for ads, uh, you know? They're they're just like. Or like Rolls Royce, I don't see ads for Rolls Royce. I see ads for like sneakers and like consumer packaged goods and SaaS businesses and, you know, stuff that's nine bucks a month um, or like a local locksmith or local businesses, you know, if I'm looking for baked goods or something. Um, it do, it doesn't seem like, I don't know, I have no idea, but it, it seems to me, it's like, would would somebody like Cartier have a pay-per-click? I, am I just not in the segment?
1: I, so I think it's pretty interesting. The reason I found it interesting to think about is like, I'm generally inclined to agree on all fronts, like the idea. So there's two things that come to mind. Number one, if you're like, let's say hypothetically that you're in this business of providing exclusive really high-end rentals for the kind of people that are probably not Googling like, you know, Lamborghini rentals. Um, there's the optics of like looking like you're trying to capture that business, which probably isn't great. So yeah, I wouldn't recommend like running banner ads or, or, or even like um, PPC type ads in Google. Um, content marketing is another interesting consideration there. But like, so I always think backwards in terms of searches as answering a search or question. So for me, the question of whether that luxury rental brand should be doing anything with organic search I would think you wouldn't want to be advertising on your own brand just because that would look weird. Like some people will advertise their brand um, because you're going to probably occupy two spots in the search results if you do that. Um, But the look of like, you know, for for, to use a coarse term, like being kind of like thirsty for business is probably not a good look for that luxury brand. But I do kind of wonder there is going to be a primary buyer and that primary buyer, it's kind of like, we're often trying to help our clients get in front of CIOs. CIOs aren't out Googling like Kubernetes or whatever. Usually that buyer or that uh, decision maker or, you know, the person who holds the purse strings is seeing a presentation in PowerPoint form where like you're, as a vendor, you're one of three or four options. So you start to figure out how to get in front of those gatekeepers. And so there might be educational content for a, you know, You know, I don't know, a high end personal assistant that's like furiously Googling, like, what's the best kind of Lamborghini for whoever? And so there might be a play there. And I think you then, as their marketer, would have to weigh that against the consideration of, like, yeah, but how does it look if we're visibly going after? stuff with like blog terms and then that gets into really interesting things that we're starting to explore with hit subscribe where maybe the play there is you create this whole secondary site where it's not your brand that's making these organic search plays Mm -hmm. make them through the site like market uh, pixel those people and then remarket to them through some other less obvious medium later
0: Mm. Like, can can we jump back real quick to the gatekeeper comment you made? Because it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So the CIO is not, who's the gatekeeper in that model where the CIO is not Googling for, but someone internally is, and then that someone internally is the one that's bringing in the three vendors. Is oh, it like my a goodness. lead dev <laughs> or like a VPE or?
1: So this is where my experience has made for, you know, hit subscribe to be like a pretty competitive and niche business is that I have so much like management consulting experience in the enterprise that I've gotten to know that group. Well, that is a very complicated buying committee on average, what I'd say, and I'm going to paint in some really broad strokes here, but what you've probably got going on is, is just to rattle off some members of the purchasing committee you're going to have the buyer you know the economic buyer who's probably a cio or a vp and then you might have a decision maker to whom that person delegates and that might be a director or dev manager and then you're going to have a bunch of influencers and some of those will either be uh, blockers that are against you or they'll be champions that like what you're doing and so if you're marketing into that group of people it gets really complicated what you want to do is flip like lead engineers like architects developers you want those to be champions
0: yeah so you have a grassroots kind of
1: exactly so Mm -hmm. so you want those people to know your name and you want to do this awareness campaign so that you're coming up as this kubernetes vendor over and over they all know who you are then you have another kind of person to get past and that's the decision maker slash heavy influencer i guess and that's somebody like a dev manager and the way you market to that person is different that's the person who is probably you know going to hear this name over and over again that's the person doing the higher intent search like best kubernetes vendor or you know kubernetes vendor reviews or whatever and then that Group of people is all going to go to the CIO either directly or through the manager who's going to be presenting in a PowerPoint of like, how do we do our DevOps transformation? And on the Kubernetes vendor slides, it's going to be you and three other people. And that's why it gets so hard to sell some of these products because you are building to that moment where you want that manager with the, the thrust of all these champions to be making the best case for you. And ideally you want so much brand name recognition that the CIO is like, wait, I've heard of that third one. Yeah. That's you like yeah, you want to be the obvious choice,
0: right, right? You want to be the obvious choice. And then the other people have to play catch up.
1: Yeah. And it's such an interesting space because like, you know, when I work with, usually somebody who's bringing us in initially is maybe somewhere between like a content marketing manager, who's kind of an individually contributory person managing vendors, or it's maybe a CMO or something. This is such, this is why I feel like hit subscribe is in such an interesting space because that's so much to ask of a marketer to know, even if they study personas that we have these really productive conversations. where I'm like, listen, Understanding the buyer committee that goes on in enterprise IT the way to, that I do requires years of experience. Like, l- let's work together and, and and kind of help each other here.
0: hmm Cool. Specialization for the win. <laughs>
1: oh, I could go on all day about how much <laughs> that point of view.
0: <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, it's late on a Friday. We probably uh, should wrap up. Um, where can people find out more about you or hit subscribe uh, dead tech or whatever else you're doing these days?
1: I will keep it relatively simple. So the content marketing business um, hit subscribe is just hit subscribe.com. And that's where to go. If you're interested in some of the stuff about like content marketing in the dev tool space, <clears throat> anyone who's interested in learning a little bit more about me personally, deadtech.com. So that's D A E D T E C H. That is the brand under which I did for many, many years and then eventually retired from management consulting. So over the years, I've written all about software and freelancing and consulting and all those types of topics. And I still, you know, make occasional posts and videos there. Um, So if what I'm saying is just generally interesting to you outside of content marketing, you can check me out there.
0: Cool. Yeah. That's how I originally came across you with an article on that site. Somebody recommended a, a, a fellow traveler, (laughs) in the fight against hourly. Uh, Cool. Well, thanks again for joining me. Uh, Maybe we could do it again sometime.
1: I would love that. It's been fun. I appreciate you having me.
0: Cool. All right, folks, that's it for this time. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time on Ditching Hourly. Bye. Would you like to learn how to get paid what you're worth? How about selling your expertise and not your labor? What about making more money without working more hours? We work through all of this together in the pricing seminar registration starts soon so head on over to thepricingseminar.com to add your name to the announcement list that url again is thepricingseminar.com i hope to see you there hey jonathan again do you have questions about how to improve your business